Friends, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please join in our call to worship. Where crooked roads need straightening, prepare the way of the Lord. Where people walk in darkness, prepare the way of the Lord. Where busy lives need quieting, prepare the way of the Lord. Where conflict longs for reconciling, prepare the way of the Lord. Where broken hearts cry out for healing, prepare the way of the Lord. Where prophets' voices need to be heard, prepare the way of the Lord. To the earth and all of your people, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Let us prepare the way of the Christ child, the one who is coming to bring us peace. Peace is holy. Peace believes we can be better than our history suggests. Peace draws us together and opens our eyes. It allows us to lay down our burdens and find a settled rest. Peace is always worth the effort, for it is God's dream for the world. The prophets all cried out, but only because they believed peace was possible. Today, we are still crying out, and we light this candle today still believing that peace is possible.
Please be seated. In this season of Advent, we prepare our hearts to welcome Christ anew into our lives and into our world. We renew our hope in God's promises and our commitment to seek peace. Trusting in God's steadfast love and presence, let us pray together. Gracious God, as we await for you this Advent season, we walk through this life you have given us. We walk in the wilderness searching for meaning. Catch our attention with mercy and with fire. We walk in the city thirsting for justice. Fill us with integrity and hope. We walk toward Bethlehem seeking a savior. Come to us with holiness and joy. As we wait for you this Advent season, prepare our hearts so we will notice when you are among us. God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in an order that the world might be saved through him. The true light is coming into the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like it You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Since we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, let us be agents of that reconciliation in the world. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Please greet one another with a sign of Christ's peace. Welcome once again to worship on the second Sunday of Advent. Whether you are a first-time visitor or a long-time member or somewhere in between, we are glad that you are here. It is always good to worship together, especially in this season of waiting. And so we are glad to be together. It is our hope that any time you pass through those doors, whether you are in need of comfort or searching for challenge, that by the grace of God, you would find what you need here and that we might be a help in that. If you have not already and you are seated near the ends of the pews and have access to those maroon pew pads, if you would sign your name and pass them down again. If there is the name of someone you don't know written down when it makes its way back to you, I encourage you to change that before you go home so that all might feel welcome here at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. As you are doing that, I will remind you that following this service at 1 o'clock, we have a senior fellowship lunch in the parish hall. That means that confirmation class will be meeting on the 8th floor today. Along with that, we are off to a good, solid start with our stewardship season. A big thank you to all of you that have pledged already, and an encouragement to those of you who have not been able to do so yet. There are pledge cards in the pews and you may also pledge online if you have any questions about any of that please feel free to find me after the service i would be glad to speak with you 
The rest of our announcements are all about Advent and Christmas, but we don't want you to miss anything during this busy season. Our congregational dinner and Christmas pageant will be this Wednesday, December 11th at 6 o'clock in the Parish Hall. We are trying a new approach to the pageant. It does involve all of you singing, so I hope that you will come, bring your appetite for a good meal, and bring your singing voice, whether you consider it good or just enthusiastic. Our carol sing, where we will hear lots of really good voices, is next Sunday, December 15th at 4 o'clock. It is one of our most beloved traditions. There is no cost to attend, but a free will will offering will be taken up. The following Wednesday, the 18th, is our Blue Christmas service. Our carols tell us that this is the most wonderful time of the year, but we recognize that for many, for any sort of reason, uh, this can be a hard time of year. So if you would find comfort in a service that is a bit quieter with communion and candlelight, we encourage you to join us that evening at 6 o'clock in the Dana Chapel. That same day, the 18th, any donations for Christmas flowers are due. And then, because it is coming quicker than we realize, Christmas Eve, our family service will be at 5 o'clock. Our communion service will be at 10.30 that night. Christmas Day, we have a service of lessons and carols at 11.15. I hope that we will see many of you at some, if not all, of those gatherings. It is good to be together as a community, and now it is good to turn our attention to the Word of God. Our Old Testament lesson today comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. But first, let us pray. Loving God, guide our hearts and minds as we hear your words. In your name we pray. Amen. A shoot, shall stu- a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of the counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the, uh, the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters over the sea.
and I would like to invite all of our children forward. We had lots and lots of children at our 9 a.m. service. Anyone else? Would anyone else like to come? You're a brave soul. Come here. Come sit here. (laughs) All right, Brian, I'm going to get closer to you. Um, Look at this painting. Brian, what what do you, what's in, Timmy, thank you. Anyone else? All right. (laughs) Takes one, you never know. Great, thank you. All right, so what animals do you see in this painting? Ox, cow, a lion. What does that look like? Thank you, Jenna. Like a tiger or maybe a lioness. What about this? It's a weird painting, isn't it? It's like a bobcat or a leopard, something like that. That kind of looks like a maybe a black bear, right? Well, in the world we live in, do lions and cows get along? No. The lion wants to eat the cow, right? What about leopards and sheep? Do they get along? No, bears and goats, they don't get along. A wolf and a lamb? No. But listen to this passage. It comes straight out of the Bible. It's a different world that God is looking forward to and what we want to look forward to. Wolves will live in peace with lambs and leopards will lie down to rest with goats. Calves and lions will eat together and a little child will leave them. Cows and bears will eat together in peace. Their young will lie down together. Lions will eat hay as oxen do. A baby will be able to play near a snake's hole. A child will be able to put his hand into the nest of the snake. They will not hurt each other on my holy mountain. And so... Who wants this kind of peace? God. God intends peace for all of these animals and for people, too. If you can see in this painting, this artist um, put the Native Americans and the white people talking to each other, that there was peace between them and during a time when there was violence. But God wants peace among everyone here including the animals and people as well. And so God, who did God send to help bring this peace? Who did God send? Jesus, that's right. And so the confirmation um, group lit the candle of peace today because we are waiting for peace to come, and that peace might come with baby Jesus. So you don't have to repeat after me, but let's all pray together. Loving God, peace starts within you and with you. Help us find that peace so that peace is everywhere and with everyone. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. You can go back to your seats now. Thank you.
Our New Testament lesson today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, beginning with the first verse. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and honey. The people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, "'You brood of vipers!' Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. John the Baptist is memorable. He lives in the wilderness and hollers about repenting. He dresses in camel's hair and leather. He eats locusts and honey. Scripture tells us nothing about his hair, but you just know it was a tangled mess. And even if I'm wrong about that, He talks about a world that's a tangled mess. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. His message does not get any easier from there. Some old friends of mine from Kansas City were in town this past week. They took this city by storm from Broadway to Brooklyn and back again. I was able to join them for the Radio City Christmas Spectacular, something I had never witnessed before. Now, even if choreographed dancing isn't your thing, you have to admit the performance is impressive. For 90 minutes, a cast of 150 tell us some of the most beloved stories connected to Christmas. There are families and ice skaters, dancing bears, toy soldiers, sugar plum fairies, rag dolls, North Pole elves, reindeer, and at one point, about a bajillion Santa Clauses. But there's even Mary and Joseph, shepherds and magi, angels and sheep, donkeys and camels. It is Christmas through and through. But you know who doesn't grace the stage even once? John the Baptist. Now I will give them a pass because they are showing us Christmas and John the Baptist is the star of Advent. 
Now, if you have been attending Beverly's class on Christmas in all four Gospels, or even if you haven't attended, you might remember that only two of the four Gospels, Matthew and Luke, tell us the traditional Christmas story. Mark and John take dramatically different approaches, but that said, John the Baptist shows up in all four of the Gospels. At the beginning, no matter who is telling us the story, you have to go through John if you want to get to Jesus. So even if he's not exactly camera ready, John the Baptist is essential for us. The biggest part of our struggle, I suspect, is less what he looks like and more what he says. Had John attended seminary, he would have failed pastoral care. Barbara Brown Taylor, she is one of the most poetic preachers to ever step foot into a pulpit, and she calls John the Doberman Pincher of the Gospel. She calls him this, she says, because he sinks his teeth into us, shakes our souls around, and refuses to let us go. Merry Advent. It is precisely for this reason that my friend Shannon Johnson Kirshner, who's the pastor of Fourth Presbyterian Church in Chicago, she has never cared very much for John at all. But this year, she says, she is choosing to hear all of his fuss, not as a threat, but as an invitation. Now, I'm not suggesting that our evangelism committee take to the streets yelling, Repent! Repent and come to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. Because to borrow John's own metaphor, that would not bear good fruit. You see, in many churches and in many caricatures of churches, the message repent is tied to a sort of turn or burn theology. And that sort of teaching has done far more harm than good. Turn to God or else is not the good news of the gospel. But even if that sort of ultimatum was never in your early formative education, you may have long understood repent to mean basically telling God that you are really, really sorry and you will never do it Whatever it happens to be, you will never do it again. Or maybe you grew up a very good Calvinist and believe, along with our Reformer, that we are all worms, lower than dirt, and we have little chance of ever becoming better. To be fair, both of these approaches highlight the very real struggle of being human and our very real need for confession which shows up in our liturgy each week. But I submit to you that the acknowledgement of our mistakes is only a small part of the vastly big picture of repentance. A number of years ago, Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crossan, they wrote a book together called The First Christmas. In that book, they track the biblical history of repentance. And they point out to us that in the Old Testament, the verb for repent is shaped primarily by the Jewish experience of exile. To repent in the Jewish tradition means to return from exile back to the place of God's presence. To repent, or to return, 
is to follow the way that has been prepared, leading you out of separation from God. The prophet Isaiah says it, Matthew quotes it, Prepare the way of the Lord. Return back from estrangement. Turn back into the arms of the one who loves you and looks out for you. That is why Matthew and the other gospel writers are so quick to emphasize John and all of his wilderness ways. The Israelites wandered in the wilderness, and that wilderness experience is all part of the process of leaving oppression behind and experiencing liberation on the other side. And so maybe, just maybe, repent really is more of an invitation than a threat. What if what John is saying to us is more like, repent, come home, walk into freedom from everything harmful or hurtful. Walk away from everything that holds humanity back from life as it ought to be. When we encounter the same word in the New Testament, the Greek language adds another nuance. The, Greek, the root of the Greek word, metaneo, that means to see differently or to think differently. Even more literally, it means to go beyond the mind that you already have. To go beyond the mind that you already have. None of this is easy, but all of it leads to us acting and living differently. In the New Testament, to repent is to change, but it is not to change just for the sake of change itself. We change, or we repent, we live differently when we understand that our actions are out of step with God's plan and desire for all of creation. Now, scripture is simply overflowing with images of God's desire for creation, but nowhere more beautifully than in the words that Timmy read and Rebecca reminded us of. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid. They will not hurt or destroy. There will be peace, deep and lasting peace, God desires that the world be a place where we consider one another with compassion and love, where all of creation is filled up with the shalom of God. And that desire, I think, is exactly what John means to convey with all of his over-the-top enthusiasm. As one scholar of the text puts it, he says, If John the Baptist had only cried repent, he would have been wasting his breath. People do not simply turn away from one way of life. They do so only when there is something deeper and truer to turn toward. John gives the reason for repenting when his message does not stop there. His message is never just repent. It is repent for the kingdom of God has come near. And for those of us who follow God in the way of Jesus, Jesus is what defines that new way of seeing, that new way of thinking, that way of returning home to God and God's great hopes 
for the world. Now I know that there is quite a bit remaining in our text this morning, including that whole brood of vipers bit. But that part and all that follows it is directed at religious leaders like me. There he is more directly confrontational. John and I will need to work that out on our own time. What you and I have been talking about today is the way that John addresses the general crowds. It has always seemed so strange to me that he yells, repent, and the next thing we know, hordes of people run into the river to be baptized. The people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan. The way of God has never been to scare people into submission. So it makes much more sense to me if they understand what they are hearing as an invitation into bigger and more beautiful living. What if all of those people standing on the edge of the river saw not madness in John's eyes, but a smile? It's possible that the wild-haired, honey-eating, camel-hair-wearing, edgy wilderness man is not yelling with threat of doom and gloom. It is possible that he is yelling with an equally intense tone of hope and summons. It could be that John's call for repentance is based on the deep trust he has that God's goodness is always more powerful than our badness and that God's power to heal us and make us new is always stronger than our power to mess up or stay stuck. And if any of that is true, what does John's invitation to repentance mean for us today? If we really can't get to Jesus without going through John, and the gospel insists that we can't, How might we take John's words seriously? David Lose is a theologian at Luther Seminary in Minnesota. He has asked three questions of the church this week. First, he says, take the time to daydream what God's vision might be for you. What do you think God wants you to be, and what do you think God wants you to do? And he says, remember that daydream is a very purposeful word because God is always inviting us to dream of something beyond what we can currently see. It is not a goal to be achieved, but a dream by which to set our course. God does not ask us if we are there yet. God asks if we are heading in the right direction. Secondly, in light of that daydream, choose one element of your life that you would like to repent of. Lou says, choose one piece of life you wish to take advantage of the healing opportunity to change direction. Is there a relationship that you would like to restore, a habit you would like to break, or a practice you'd like to take up? And again, hear this call to repent said with the tone of invitation and possibility and dedicate this season of Advent as the time to do it.
And finally, identify one element in our communal life that needs repentance and prayerfully discern how you might be a part of that. Now, by communal, I mean not even just us as a church, but us as a city, the larger life that everyone around us shares together. Might there be a communal issue to which God is nudging you to give your time and action to really help bring about change. If you are unsure where to start, consider our open table meal ministry or our overnight shelter program. Or talk to me about food pantries that are being established to serve college students because I learned recently that staggering numbers of our students run out of food toward the end of every month before the next financial aid check arrives. There are countless other opportunities all around. Ask God if there is one way you might make a difference, one way you might see something you hadn't seen before, and work to make a better and holier reality. Now your responses, of course, are between you and God, but I encourage you to take this set-apart Advent season to ask them. God has a profound respect for human freedom. God never forces God's self on anyone. We need to make the intentional choice to open ourselves up if God is going to move in our lives. Repent, John preaches. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He is not the most marketable, but he is essential. He is inviting you to come home and be the person that God created you to be. And even more than that, he believes that you can do it. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Bible and join me in our affirmation of faith as printed in your bulletin. And so we say together, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. We turn our hearts to prayer, and during this season of Advent, I invite you to say in response to the phrase, O come, O come, Emmanuel, come and save your people. Let us pray. God of many names, long ago your vision of a peaceable kingdom was spoken by your prophets to your people. And many of us long for a peaceable kingdom even here today, whether we knew your words or not. And so may these coming days be the days when differences are set aside, when people of all faiths and none offer safety to each other. For in the past few days, many have questioned their safety and their faith. In the past few days, there have been at least three more shootings. And so may these coming days be the days of peace for all those affected by violence. May these be the days we long for your son's presence when change may finally occur in broken systems. O come, O come, Emmanuel, come and save your people. May these coming days be the days when bullies are humbled and the tormented lifted up. May these coming days be the days when little ones will show grown-ups the paths we may have forgotten. And may we, the grown-ups, love those little ones, living out our vision of a peaceable kingdom. O come, O come, Emmanuel, come and save your people. May these coming days be the days when justice will put on the tool belt of faithfulness, peace, and healing when the most vulnerable around us will shower us with a harvest of hope, and when the most powerful will listen to the most vulnerable, setting aside their apathy. O come, O come, Emmanuel, come and save your people. May these coming days be the days when we not only share the peace of Christ in this building during this hour, but all over New York City and the world. For there are those in this congregation and beyond who are hurting with grief and need some sort of peace, such as the families of Elaine Heckman, Brent Hill, Crescentiana Catalan, Jessica Revley, Norman Nebel, and Jack McDonough. We hold close to our hearts and extend a hopeful spirit to all those who are hospitalized, such as Francis Dawson and Luis Rodriguez. And so, loving God, 
And these coming days, may they be the days when those in pain, discomfort, distress, homebound, homeless, and hospice, held back or merely struggling to get out of bed, find some sort of peace, some sort of strength, and most importantly, the recognition that they are loved, they are seen, and every inch of them matters. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Come and save your people. Amen. In response to all that God does for us and for this world, let us offer our gifts in return.
Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. It is the kingdom of heaven that is drawing near in these days, and it is the kingdom of heaven that we taste every time we come to this table. So come to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more faith. Come to this table, you who know what it is to run, to walk, and to fly. And come to this table, you who know what it is to stumble. Come to this table, you who hunger and thirst for a better life and a fairer world. And come to this table, you who are seeking simply a place to rest. Come, for this is the Lord's table. He is the one who invites you, which means it won't be the same without you. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Let us pray. O God of grace, it is our greatest joy to give you thanks and praise, for you created this world and hold it dear, promising to restore all of creation when Christ comes again. You formed us in your image and set us in this world to love and serve you and one another. You delivered your people from slavery and made covenant to be their God. You free us from all that binds us, and you make that same covenant with us. You sent prophets to call a rebellious people back to your way. We hear those same prophets calling us to faithfulness and pointing to the day when justice shall triumph and peace shall reign over all the earth. With grateful hearts we praise you, joining our voices with the celestial choirs and all the faithful of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your name. You are holy, O God of majesty, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your Son. You sent him into this world to set us free and to establish justice for the oppressed. He came among us as one of us, taking the lot of the poor, sharing human suffering, dying an unjust death. We rejoice that in his dying and rising again, you set before us the sure promise of new life the certain hope of a heavenly home where we will sit at table with Christ our host. Remembering all you have done for us in Christ, we take from your creation this bread and this wine, 
remembering his death and celebrating his rising as we await the day of his coming. In gratitude, we offer ourselves to you and proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and wine, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, that we may be one with all who share this feast, united in ministry in every place. As this bread is Christ's body for us, send us out to be the body of Christ in the world. Keep us faithful until Christ comes in victory, and we shall feast with all your saints in the joy of your eternal realm. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. With the confidence of the children of God, we pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Remember with me how on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus gathered his friends around him, including the one who would go on to betray him. He gathered them together, and he took bread, and he gave thanks to God for it, and he broke it. And he shared it with them, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, and it is given for you. And he said, Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it as my remembrance. The Apostle Paul tells us that every time we eat this bread and share this cup, we proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. These are holy things to make us holy, the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep the feast.
us pray. Gracious God, you are the bread of life and you are the light of the world. As we wait for your light, the true light, to be born again, may this bread strengthen us and fill us with courage and compassion, grace and wisdom, joy and hope. When our spirits are flagging, O oh God, remind us of everything we find at this, your table. Amen. So may joy and nothing less follow you all the days of your life. May you be blessed and may you be a blessing. And may you rest well today, secure in the knowledge that the Lord of light, who has brought you this far already, will lead you and countless others all the way home. Amen. Amen.